This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talk to Ada Bernier, the founder of Skill Crush, um, which is a, a really interesting marketplace focused on women uh, learning tech. So, guys, what did you take away from this episode um, as kind of the biggest learning that we, we got from Ada? Well, what was really interesting for me to hear was a lot about the early struggles she had getting this uh, going. And the way she really persevered through what she called the trough of sorrow it was a really funny story the way she told it. And um, I really enjoyed hearing about that. Yeah, she has a really electric personality. It was a great talk. Uh, really interesting to hear about how she's targeting women with this. She's taking a different approach to teaching people how to code and how to make websites. And they've niched down, so to speak, on women. And it's, it's really interesting how they're promoting it. 
Yeah, and I liked her focus outside of Silicon Valley, too. Um, so she wasn't looking for women in Silicon Valley that are interested in tech. She was looking for women anywhere um, that are interested in tech. And I think if more tech businesses started to tackle problems that weren't so tech-focused, there are some huge businesses just sitting dormant there um, for people to start. So um, I thought she had an amazing perspective on there. And uh, let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship to get 20% off three months. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to Customer.io slash Rocketship to start sending emails that convert. We'd also like to thank InVision app. InVision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. Scalecrush is an online education company. Um, we teach um, technical skills, so mostly web development and design actually pretty much only web development and design. And um, we do it through an online class model. There's a lot of mentorship. And um, what's kind of unique about us is that we're both very beginner friendly and our audience is primarily women. Interesting. Um, So you guys are largely bootstrapped, right? Yes. What was the troth of sorrow like for you? Long and hard. (laughs) (laughs) Give us um, what kind of how take us back. We'll, we'll take us back to, <laughs> to to one of those uh, one of those kind of the experience. Um, what was it like for you? Um, yeah. So I mean, we. So if I just go back to the very beginning. Like we probably started doing what I would say, like you know, running quote unquote experiments. As I, I'm a I am and really was at that time, like a huge lean startup junkie. Um, and so I, we had kind of, we had run a design and development company and by we, I mean the people who I helped who ended up founding Skillcrush with me. Um, and then we had tried to do our first kind of software product kind of startupy thing. And it was, um, a tablet publishing software similar to if you guys know on swipe. Yeah. Um, and, and this came out of, you know, I don't know. We thought we had good reasons to make it, but it just was, it was like in every way it was a bad fit. Like, I think I, the product was bad. You know, we weren't the people to execute on it. Like, in, like it just was bad. Um, so that had been kind of this, like, you know, this like startup failure, quote unquote, it didn't even get off the ground though. So like, I feel like I don't even usually talk about it as a, as a startup failure, but I, but what I really took away from that was like, wow, like you really should not, spend any time doing anything until you've like validated something, <laughs> you know, like, and by validated, like gotten someone outside of like you and your co-founder to like agree that this is a good idea. So I really took that um, to heart when we started scale crash. And so we really like, I, I was like, okay, like we're going to do this, like we're going to do this right this time. And we're going to de-risk and we're going to think about like, what are our riskiest assumptions and test them. And um, so we started that process in April of 2012. And that began with, um, starting a newsletter list and um, the sort of what I had identified as our riskiest assumption was that um, we, the idea of Skillcrush was premised on the, the belief that women and mass would be interested in, in online coding 
information. Um, and so we started this newsletter and tried to get some people to sign up and, um, and they did, which was good. So that kind of, you know, that was like, okay, pass, go, like keep going. And so then we ended up doing an incubator and then we launched our first, um, product in October of 2012. And, um, at the time, our thought was that we were basically basically going to be, like, a treehouse competitor, uh, but, like, sort of, like, your more feminine, I guess, version of treehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we launched were these tutorials, and it was, like, a it – was, it was the first part of an HTML tutorial, and then it was going to be, like, the second part of an HTML t- tutorial, and then there would be two CSS tutorials and one tutorial about how to get your website up, and it was going to be a package of five tutorials that we would eventually sell – but we just launched the first one for free to sort of gauge interest and see things. And what basically happened was um, that, uh, you know, and at this point, like we had taken the funding in August and it's like October. And at that point, like, I don't know, between startups costs and like, we were like, we should all get salaries because that's appropriate for like, you know, revenue negative businesses. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, it is, you do have to do what you have to do, but anyway, um, the point being that most of the money was gone at that point and we launched this thing. And so I start trying to do some customer, customer development after this first tutorial to see like, okay, like you, you know, 5,000 people have signed up for this first tutorial. Will any of them pay for like the next four? And basically like nobody would pay for it. Like, I think at one point I got like one dude in Michigan who was like, yeah, like I, I bought Treehouse and like, I would pay you for these tutorials. And I was like, that's awesome. But like, you're not my target demographic at all. So like, <laughs> this is a problem. Um, so I was like, all right, great. Like, I have you guys ever seen the SNL skit that's like, red flag, it's a perfume commercial? And it's got Kristen Wiig. I'll have to send it to you guys. It's really funny. <laughs> I haven't Basically, seen that. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like this whole joke is like, you know, she used to be a dancer in Vegas, like, red flag. <laughs> um, so that's how I felt. Like, I was, like, doing these interviews, and I was like, red, like, only, like, guy in Michigan wants to, like, pay for your, your product. Like, red flag. Um, so wh- why did you keep going if it was saying, you know, this is not not right? Um, well, I guess I would argue that, I mean, I guess I did keep going, but we made some really substantial changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this question of why do you keep going when it's not working is a really interesting one that I don't really have an answer <laughs> to. So, except for I mean, like, that's <laughs> why we all are here, yeah, exactly. right? Like, it's like, <laughs> But if you um, can't prove that women want to code, um, which is which, or you can't sell them a product to learn how to code, um, how did you attack it from a different angle? I mean, so basically, that it like at that moment, I was like, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I just need to talk to people until I get somewhere because, like, okay. what else can you do, right? Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, I guess it's crazy to me now that I like know a lot of people and to watch how other people deal with stuff in ways that I think are really, really poor ways to deal with this kind of situation. But looking back on it, I think I actually handled it really well. And I basically just set up customer development interviews where I would just go to coffee with people and I just talked to them. And I did, I had read running lean at that point. And I think he, he nails it when he says, you know, that you just got to talk to people until you know what they're going to say. And, um, what I found basically like it, it, the thing that came out of it was that I would ask people um, what their biggest problem was with like sort of in this arena of like wanting to learn and like not knowing what to learn and, and all those things. And they all said the same thing, which is that they said that they didn't know what to learn. 
um, and that they were just overwhelmed by the amount of choices and like where to go find the information. And even like, you know, with like something like a Linda or Treehouse, like it was like, yeah, that's cool that that's there. But like I go to lynda.com and it's 10,000 videos. Like which one do I start with? Um, and then I would ask them, well, how did you try to solve this problem for yourself? And, and basically what I found was that the group split into two camps and it was the camp that Googled it and did not find the answer and the camp that asked a friend and did find the answer. And that was sort of the key insight for us um, was that this, this ability to like talk to someone and like have someone, this feeling that somebody was there to guide you through the process was critical in people's success. And honestly, like when I then reflected back on my own experience, that was absolutely the answer to my success is that I had friends who were like, Oh, read this book or like learn WordPress or, you know, whatever. Um, and so that just inspired me to, I was like, okay, well, what if instead of class or instead of tutorial, we call it a class and we have an instructor. And I was like, I'll just be the instructor, you know, and answer people's, like, I was like, I'm just going to answer people's customer support emails really is what I'm going to do. Um, but I will tell, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it like that. And it was like, it was like immediately game changing. Like it was like all of a sudden people who were telling me $35 was too expensive. were like 125, like, oh yeah, that seems cheap. Wow. Um, and it was just really shocking. And I was like, okay, well, let's try that. And so um, then I took the tutorial that we were giving away for free um, and basically repackaged it as a class. And like, I mean, we only opened it up to 25 slots, but we like sent it. We just, it was literally just a repackaging. We we're like, okay, this isn't a tutorial now. It's a class. And like, you're going to have an instructor and her name's going to be Ada. And like, she'll be available on email anytime, day or night. Um, <clears throat> and we sent it out to our newsletter list and like sold it. It sold out in like half an hour or something crazy like wow. that. So, um, and you know, none of this, it was 25 people. I'm not supposed to diminish my accomplishments. It was 25 people who were really <laughs> excited. Um, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, so that was, that was like the first sort of positive signal. Um, but that of course, this wasn't even, we weren't even into the trough of Sarah at this point. This was still like when I was like, you know, like, Oh, it's just, it's like a cute little startup bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what happened was, is that uh, we were doing these classes and it was going really well and, um, you know, people really liked it. And I actually, I was, I really appreciated you guys' interview with Gabriel Weinberg and then I was reading, I read his book and what I liked most about his book was him talking about <clears throat> how startups take a long time and how people give up too soon and how you need to be able to sort of understand the positive signals when like there is not a lot of them and, but also be able to understand the difference between like deluding yourself and like there actually being some there, there. Um, and I think for, with us was that people really loved, loved it. Like we would, like we would develop these really deep relationships with our students and like, you know, like students have come to visit us and like given us gifts and like, I've made great friends and hired a bunch of my students at this point and stuff like that. So that part of it was always really good. The hard part for us was, and continues to be to a certain extent. Of course, it's like, you know, the scale of the problem is different now, but um, is sort of getting a big audience or like traction. So what ended up happening is like, it was like, okay, we did like 5,000 the first month. And we were like, yeah, 5,000, like next month we'll do 10,000, you know, and then 20 and then whatever, it'll be amazing. And in fact, it was like 5,000 and then it was like 4,000 and it was like 3,000. It was like 1,000. <laughs> like, oh my God. And at this point we'd like spent all the $75,000. And I mean, so in 2013, I made $5,000 from Skill Crush, And that was the end of the money that we had taken on as investment. Um, and then the rest of the year I had to like fend for myself. Um, so what did you do? In that so 
I did a lot of client work um, on the side. And I mean, so just to like, you know, I had talked to Joelle about this. I mean, I lost two co-founders during this process. Like it was a really long trough of sorrow. That was really bleak. Um, and did they was, just kind of give up or? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think to put it really like negatively, I would say they gave up to put it like more sort of, I think like kindly, I think that, um, it wasn't super hopeful and neither one of them was in, you know, I was lucky to be in a position where like, I don't have kids. I have a partner who doesn't make a lot of ton of money, but, um, cause he's a teacher. So you guys can extrapolate from that, but he's super supportive of it. So I feel like, like, I think if David at some point had been like, I resent you for not making any money, that yeah. would have probably been like the nail in the coffin. But he was always like, no, 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 this is awesome. Like, you're awesome. Like, yes, you only made $5,000 this year. I mean, I actually think in total, my taxes were like, I think I made 25000 last year. So like, it's not, not a pretty scene. So what, what um, was the really motivating factor that kept you going when um, things were looking bleak? You lost your co-founders. What is it about bringing women into this um, industry really that you're so passionate about that really kept you going? Um, it's interesting. Cause I'm like, I'm like, you're so nice to think that it's like about mission and passion, which I think it, it, it obviously must be, but I think in the day to day, I think I'm just an incredibly stubborn person. <laughs> and I also think that I, um, I think I'm also addicted to like, I've, there's something so um, gratifying about this process of like working on something and getting feedback and then improving it. And so to a certain extent, like, even though it wasn't going well, it like, it was like, but I had, it's like, I, I always felt like I had the tools to figure it out. And I like, it's like, I don't know, like, I think I felt like it's like, there's a nut and like, I can, I, I know it can be cracked. So I'm going to like, mm -hmm. I'm going to crack it. Um, Obviously, the mission part of it is really important. I think that, um, I mean, I guess, like, why do I think it's so, so important? I think that um, it's just been so gratifying. Like, it's just been so good for my life, like, going from being non-technical to, to technical. And it sounds like you guys maybe know about this also. Um, it just opened up a whole world for me that that was, like, right there, but I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. um, and... It's also like financially so far, it hasn't really panned out for me, but I, it, um, that I feel like is more choice than anything. But in terms of like people that I've had access to, like opportunities I've had, like it just totally, I mean, it's, it was like, I feel like to call it a game changer, like doesn't even begin to approximate like the, the effect it's had on my life. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. It, it changes your whole life. <clears throat> yeah. It really does. And it just, it just, oh, yeah, it just gave me access and it's like this calling card and like, it's just so powerful and it, and I feel like there's so much opportunity, um, both literally in jobs that already exist in tech, but also in terms of like what you can do with technology that, um, and, it, but it just feels so close to so many people. And, um, that just seems like such a, it seems like such a missed opportunity for the individual, but also for like the companies and like the culture, you know what I mean? It's like on every, we're losing on every front. I feel like by making it so inaccessible and, and not available to like a bigger group of people. So when we were talking earlier, you had kind of an interesting experience when, so you're based in New York um, and you had an interesting experience traveling to, I think you said Palo Alto or maybe to San Francisco and kind of the difference in mentality between the kinds of problems that are being solved in 
that bubble versus really the rest of the country and things that are cropping up in in cities elsewhere. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was I was in Palo Alto. I was actually um, working out of the Mighty Bell offices because we've done a lot of work with them. Um, and it was my first time kind of like hanging out in Silicon Valley and getting to know things. And what was really striking to me was just sort of thinking about was kind of becoming acquainted with the culture there and then thinking about skill crush and just realizing like how like I, it felt to me like skill crush made no sense in that context because skill crush is all about sort of explaining like why technology is important like what is coding like what is a programming language like what do these things do and in that culture in that area like those things are just things that it's like you know it's like you learn them in utero you know what I mean like it's like you just totally are take it for granted that like technology is important and coding is important and like you know it's just it's they're just so much further along in that thought process um and I guess what I took away from that was just that like I felt like if I had been in Palo Alto like from the get-go I like I wouldn't have occurred to me to create skill crush but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a need for it in the marketplace and so it just it, it just left me, I think it just confirmed some of my suspicions that, um, you know, that just like there's a very, it's just they're living, like I think that the Valley is a very specific cultural context and it's not, it's not necessarily, I don't say that necessarily as a criticism, it's just as like an acknowledgement of that being the case and the fact that there are opportunities and businesses and things that are, that are, you know, outside of that, that are worth looking at and thinking about. And it's an interesting kind of perspective to take on anything, um, not just the valley versus the rest of the country, right? I mean, you can look at this in any industry and and start to look at problems in a different perspective um, than they're currently being solved and probably find a niche for yourself. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so, so what's next for you um, and Skill Crush? So, um, yeah, so... Just to round out the story, so basically my trough of sorrow lasted like all of 2013, and um, and then basically what happened in like August around there um, is things just got really bad that I was just to the point of like, I was like, I'll do anything to get out of this situation uh, or to fix it, and I started working with a woman to do marketing and sales, mm-hmm. and we started to up our marketing and sales game, and actually we're able to just move the needle in the fall, and then... Um, and then I almost quit again in December, but then I chickened out of quitting. <clears throat> At that point, I had hired an employee. I'm like, I, I shouldn't say this, but I will say this because it's a funny story, and then she'll finally know the story. I basically, <laughs> um, I basically was like, I'm quitting, and I can't take it anymore. I can't do this anymore. And um, I told David, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and um, I told my mom, and then I called my my one of my co-founders, who's still very close with me and like very good relationship and she owns equity and stuff like that. And I called her and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to have to like throw in the towel. And she's like, you know, it's totally cool. Like I understand, like it's been a good run, but it is what it is. Um, and she was like, okay, well now you have to tell Emily who was my first hire. And I was like, I can't tell Emily. I can't do it. I just hired her. I can't fire her. And Jennifer was like, uh, okay. And I, I literally chickened out of firing Emily. So I did not close the business. And, um, and then in January we did three times what we'd ever done in revenue on a monthly wow. basis. And, what caused it? Um, I don't know. I don't, like, I think we had a lot of press in December and okay. it was like January. I was like, 
it's a new year. I want to learn to code. And then it's just basically like revenue has just stayed up at that level. And so, I mean, like, so all of a sudden we were like super profitable on this like tiny little team. And, um, uh, yeah, it was just like, it was like total pendulum swing, like That's in the awesome. opposite direction. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was like, thank God that I like st- stuck around long enough. Um, so where we are now is kind of in this like funny spot of like, we have something that's like, a, we have like a little net of something that's like really, really working. And, you know, um, we have hundreds of students that sign up and that's all good. And now it's kind of like, we've like built up this, I feel like I've been like hoarding because like I've, you know, I went through my my famine last year. So I've been like hoarding all my, my dollar bills <laughs> under a mattress. Um, and now I feel like I'm in this position of like, we like need to grow again. We need to like go that next, like take the next step up. Um, and what I like think about all day long every day is like how I have to take like half the money, in the big account and spend it on growing. And I'm terrified of doing that. Um, yeah. Where are you going to spend it? Um, I'm like trying to think of a good joke. Uh, I I mean um, marketing and product development. Okay, are so, there any any avenues that have really worked for you guys where it's like a gas pedal on the marketing side? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> no, that is a no. I mean, I'm, like, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, exactly. Um, I I know. I'm always like talking to these people. Like I talk to these marketing people, and I'm like, they're like, they're like, I don't know. Like, do you want to spend like three thousand dollars? And I'm like. Do you understand that if I could spend a hundred thousand dollars a month, like, and I could make one hundred fifty, like, I would fucking do it. Like, <laughs> I, like all I want in life is a place to do that, but like, I can't find it. Yeah. Um, well, and it, yeah. It, we talked to Gabriel Weinberg recently, and uh, he was talking about his traction book and how there's, you know, a, a dozen or so um, channels that you can pursue in terms of marketing, and chances are only one of them is going to work for you. And it sounds like so simple. You just find the one that works and dump your effort into that. And it's so impossible to find that one. It's so hard. I I mean, I will say I was actually just reflecting on this before this call that I was like trying to remind myself that like, I feel like I'm in this moment where I'm like, you know, five xing monthly revenues like was like no big deal. But like, what's really hard is like one and a half xing revenues at this point, you know, and it's like, No, it's all fucking hard. And it's, sorry, excuse my language, but it's like, I think it's just like what you've done is easy. So, um, I think the point is, is that obviously I have done some traction channels that have worked, but they're not working. Like I, the problem that we're having is like feeling like if we 10 X our efforts in any one channel, we don't necessarily feel like we get 10 X the results. Um, and that's what we're looking for. So for us, like what, you know, one sort of shift that I've made recently is that, we've done a lot of sort of marketing experiments and what we found with these experiments is that they like, they like, they like the needle like flutters. But what happens is that our existing audience becomes like that much more engaged. So for example, like webinars, yeah, we were like, we're going to do webinars. It's going to be a gold mine of like email leads. And, um, and it hasn't been, but what we noticed is that like when someone, somebody purchases a class, like they've gone to like three webinars, you know? Yeah. It's a longer play. Yeah. So, um, that has really made me feel comfortable with the idea of like really putting resources and money into new product development. Cause I think that once we sort of like engage a, somebody in our community, like they really want to stick around with us. So, um, I think at this moment, that's kind of more the direction we're going to go with and just keep testing the marketing channels until I find that place where I can, you know, go from a million dollars and 
revenue to a hundred million. And I will, I will tell you guys everything I learned in the process. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're moving forward, where do we keep up with you online? So uh, the best place is skillcrush.com. Um, I do occasionally tweet at Otto Bjork. It's pretty infrequent. The better place is just at the Skillcrush Twitter. Um, we also just started a YouTube channel, which I'm really excited about, where I make videos once a week um, about lots of important questions like what, how you can make money if all you know is HTML and CSS and stuff like that. So nice. check that out. Very cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my favorite podcast. So, Oh, thank you. That's awesome. That is awesome. I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, where twice monthly we send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's rocketship.fm. Sign up today.